You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you. We have a lot to talk about here on today's podcast. There is a lot of Buffalo Bills news that has went down since the last time we spoke. We're going to talk about Emmanuel Sanders. The Bills have a new punter and Matt Hack. We have some news on Star Latulale. A former Buffalo Bill has signed with another team. The Bills made a trade, and I have an idea for CB2. So let's dig in, and we'll start with the biggest story of the day, and that is the Buffalo Bills have signed wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders to a one-year, $6 million contract. He's 34 years old, actually, today. His birthday is March 17th, so happy birthday, Emmanuel Sanders, and welcome to the Buffalo Bills. This is a player that Brandon Bean has been after. He recently did an interview with PFF, with Chris Collinsworth and Richard Sherman, and he was talking about the story behind trading for Stefan Diggs and how it goes back to the 2019 trade deadline when the Bills were after a wide receiver. And he mentioned specifically that He wanted Emmanuel Sanders, but Denver was unwilling to trade him within the AFC. And as you know, they sent him to the New Orleans Saints. So not only was Brandon Bean after Stefan Diggs at that trade deadline and didn't get him, but did eventually, the same thing happened with Emmanuel Sanders. Here's what I'll say about Sanders, and I like this deal for the Bills. I wish the money was a little bit lower, but at the end of the day, Sanders is a good football player. And I think back to a combine interview that Sean McDermott did a few years back. And I actually asked McDermott, I said, Sean, what do you look for in wide receivers? What are some traits that matter the most to you? And he said, I'm just looking for guys that get open and catch the football. A very simple answer, right? Like somewhat sarcastic, it felt like. But that's what wide receivers are supposed to do. They're supposed to get open and catch the football. And that's Emmanuel Sanders. He's made a long career out of getting open and catching the football. He's a great route runner, and he has consistent hands. I mean, one of the better route runners in the NFL. When you take Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Emmanuel Sanders and put them in the same wide receiver room, you have three of the best overall route runners in the NFL. I mentioned that Emmanuel Sanders is very consistent at catching the football. In 1,029 catchable targets, according to Pro Football Focus, he has 36 drops. That is a drop rate of 3.5%. That is sensational. Absolutely elite. So great route runner, catches the football, 5 foot 11, 180 pounds. Had good speed coming out of college at SMU where he was a teammate of Cole Beasley. And you think about a wide receiver centric offense that features 11 personnel a ton 
10 personnel the most in the NFL, you need to have four good wide receivers. And in Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, Davis, they have this. You guys know when the Bills let go of John Brown, I said they need to replace him. They need somebody that can win at all levels of the field and can step in and do John Brown things. Now, I don't think that Sanders at this point in his career is a field stretcher like John Brown is, but from a route running perspective, from a versatility perspective in terms of winning at all levels of the field and being able to line up inside and outside, the Bills are going to be able to really pick up the ground running here when it comes to running their 10 personnel sets and really stressing defenses with how you can space them horizontally and vertically. The Bills recognize that wide receivers are why this offense was so successful last year in addition to obviously how elite Josh Allen was. But it wasn't going to be a situation where John Brown's gone, Gabe Davis moves up the ladder, and everything's fine. Gabe Davis isn't that type of receiver yet. He's a ball skills size guy down the field. You love him in situations where things break down. Josh Allen can kind of rely on him. He, he's great along the sidelines. But he doesn't do the route running stuff that a John Brown did. Emmanuel Sanders does. And I'd say Emmanuel Sanders is an upgrade as a route runner from John Brown. And that's no slight on John Brown. John Brown's an exceptional route runner. Emmanuel Sanders just happens to be an elite route runner. I think where you'll see Sanders make the most impact is going to be in that 8 to 15 yard range. Very good at setting up his route stem and then being deceptive and getting open. And that's right in that range where Josh Allen is very good at throwing the football. So I just think he's a great fit for this offense. He's a great fit for Josh Allen. Stylistically, he gives the Bills most of what they need from losing John Brown. I will say that he's not necessarily a dynamic field stretcher. You hope that Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs can do that for you. He's not much of a yak guy. He's only averaging four yards after the catch per reception for his career. But a guy that gets open and catches the football. One of my favorite things about Emmanuel Sanders is how consistent he has been. And there's been times where he's played with elite quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning. But over the last five years, he has not played with elite quarterbacks. Warren Sharp put out a tweet that highlighted exactly who was throwing him the football over the last five years. So his targets over the last five years, 168 of those came from Trevor Simeon, 100 came from Case Keenum, 79 from Drew Brees, 61 from Jimmy Garoppolo, 44 from Joe Flacco, 32 from Paxton Lynch, 29 from Brock Osweiler, and 17 from Taysom Hill. Emmanuel Sanders has got to be delighted to see Josh Allen as the guy throwing him the football in 2021 because this dude hasn't had any good quarterback play in a very, very long time. So Emmanuel Sanders, a Buffalo Bill, 34 years old, one-year, $6 million deal, 
Brandon Bean gets his guy. The Bills add to the wide receiver core where I thought they absolutely needed to do this. And um, now they have a really exceptional trio of route runners with a guy like Gabriel Davis that can continue to be a beneficiary of the scheme and the Bills can use him in the ways where he was most successful last year. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every single bar. Now it is time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness, and they're having a tournament of all the flavors of Built Bars to figure out which one is the best, and it's up to you. You have to go vote on the matchup. Uh, today's matchup will be found on BuiltBar.com, or you can find it on Twitter, uh, at Bar underscore Built, to vote for your choice. And remember, when you purchase Built Bars, use our promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. That is Locked On 20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. We've got a bunch more to get to. Let's now talk about the Buffalo Bills' new punter, Matt Hawk. Previously of the Miami Dolphins, the Bills signed him to a three-year deal. He's 26 years old, and this contract tells us that he is the guy. It is a three-year, $5.5 million deal with incentives that can push it to $7 million. He gets $3.25 million in guaranteed money. Obviously, the Bills made this choice. They could have re-signed Corey Bohorquez to a restricted free agent tender that would have paid him $2.1 million this year, but it turns out that they went with Hawk, um, who comes in a little bit cheaper for this year and maybe less throughout the course of his deal. But the Bills have made the choice to move on from Corey Bohorquez, and Matt Hawk is the new punter, you know, right when I came around on Corey B. Right when I came around to him, the era is over. So let's compare some statistics about Matt Hawk and Corey Bohorquez because they're very different punters. Very, very different. Corey Bohorquez has a big leg, a guy that can really boom the ball down the field. He has his inconsistency, but... He has a really, really powerful leg. Matt Hawk is very much a guy that excels with pinning teams deep. A more consistent punter in terms of hang time and not allowing touchbacks, but he doesn't necessarily have that booming leg like a Corey Bohorquez has. So let's talk about some numbers here. Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive Podcast, part of Buffalo Rumblings, he put some numbers on the Twitter timeline that I want to share with you. Corey Bohorquez was first in the NFL last season with a 50.8 yard average. Matt Hawk was 24th in the NFL with an average of 44.7 yards per punt. I think right there is the evidence that you're looking for that confirms what I said about the distance that each punter is able to get on their punts. Corey Bohorquez was fifth in the NFL in net yards per punt. Matt Hawk was 20th. Matt Hawk was 14th in percentage of punts returned, and Bohorquez was 21st. Matt Hawk was seventh in the NFL in average hang time. 
Corey Bajorquez was sixth. So very similar when it comes to putting the ball high in the air and allowing the coverage unit to get down the field. Thad Brown had some stats that he put on the timeline. He said Matt Hawk was fifth in punt percentage inside the 20 and percentage of fair catches forced. But here's the thing about that. Those are better numbers, much better numbers than Corey Bajorquez. When he does allow a return, Matt Hawk, it was long. Last year, third worst average return against over 12 yards per return. And Matt Hawk was one of only two punters in the NFL to have two punts returned for a touchdown. One of those came courtesy of the Buffalo Bills. Remember week 17, Isaiah McKenzie, 84-yard punt return for a touchdown? That came courtesy of a bad line drive punt by Matt Hawk. The real benefit, the thing that I'm clinging to when it comes to this decision to move on from Corey Bajorquez and bring in Matt Hawk is touchbacks. Matt Hawk is significantly better than Corey Bajorquez at pinning teams deep and not having touchbacks. In 137 punts over the last two years, Matt Hawk has a touchback percentage of 2.9. Only four of his 137 punts over the last two years were touchbacks. For Corey Bajorquez, 120 punts, 14 were touchbacks. That's a percentage of 11.6%. And we know that Bajorquez had a great 2020 season. But his touchback percentage was even worse. 7 of 41 were in the end zone. That's a touchback percentage of 17%. Meanwhile, Matt Hawk is under 3%. So the real benefit to Hawk is that ability to pin teams deep. Now here's where I get concerned. Two things. Number one, the Bills are an aggressive go-for-it team on fourth down. Well, now suddenly they have a punter that's very good at pinning teams back. Are they going to be less inclined to be aggressive because they have this punter that has better control on punts and is able to pin teams back deep with more consistency? Well, if not, then you're you're wasting the best part of having Matt Hawk as your punter. What I appreciated about Corey Bajorquez is that if the Bills had a bad three and out or something, or they couldn't get a couple of first downs and they wind up punting from their own, you know, 20 or 15 or, you know, deep in their own territory, Corey Borges had the ability to flip the field because he can boom the ball down the field. Which I think lines up better with the style of football and the style of offense that the Bills run. So the best things about Matt Hawk are somewhat mitigated by the style of football that you play. And you no longer have the guy with the big booming leg that can flip the field when you're not expecting to flip the field. Miami Dolphins fans will tell you all about the inconsistency of Matt Hawk. How he shanks punts. How he hits those line drives. So you go from an inconsistent punter to an inconsistent punter. You gain the ability to pin teams deep and control punts but you lose the booming leg that can flip the field when you're deep in your own territory. I'm not convinced this was an upgrade. I'm absolutely not convinced 
Matt Hawk is a better punter than Corey Bajorquez. Some other notes about this. You guys know I was going to give you plenty of information on this punter switch. Both of these guys are left-footed. I think that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are very much believers in left-footed punters. And anytime you talk about punters, you have to talk about the holding dynamic. And the Dolphins were very creative on special teams with Matt Hawk as a punter. Like They were willing to let him throw the football and do fun trick plays, and he was very good at it. So that's exciting. But as a holder... I think he's been very good. Jason Sanders, their kicker, the Miami Dolphins kicker, was an all-pro, first-team all-pro last year. He's an elite kicker. And I think that at least says something about Matt Hawk's ability to hold. And they've obviously worked together for multiple seasons, and I'm hoping that the Bills get more consistency from a holding perspective and a ball-handling perspective at punter with Matt Hawk as opposed to Corey Bajorquez. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL seasons are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and they have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We've got a bunch more to get to. First, I want to share my idea for cornerback two because the Bills have a critical need there right now. And I'm looking at the money that's going to William Jackson and Shaquille Griffin and even Ronald Darby. Emmanuel Mosley gets two years, $10 million. I mean, we're talking about a pretty good chunk of change if the Bills are going to go in on a corner. I think if they go in on Levi Wallace, we're still talking about at least 4 $5 million a season. I came up with an economic option that interests me a lot. And a guy that I think has played well every time he's received an opportunity and that is former Bills fourth-round pick, Ross Cockrell. Cockrell got injured early in his career with the Bills, and then he winds up going to Pittsburgh, playing pretty well for them, going to the Giants, playing pretty well for them, going to Carolina and performing well for them. And then he played like 240 snaps for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year and played pretty well for them. Won a Super Bowl there. If the Bills were to sign Ross Cockrell, he would be the second player on the team that's won a Super Bowl, Emmanuel Sanders being one and Ross Cockrell being the other. Obviously, the Buccaneers didn't win the Super Bowl because they had Ross Cockrell, but I think if you looked at every time he's gotten a chance to play, he's done pretty well. The passer rating against his coverage for his career is 82 and a half. That's very low. So as a fill-in option that I think can provide reasonable play at a low contract, I mean, the guy only signed one year 910000 for the Bucks last year, and he only played 250 snaps. So it's not like he can command this massive raise. So I think the Bills can get a low-cost starter and pair him with Dane Jackson 
and a draft pick, you know, first or second round, and shore up what they need to at CB2, being realistic about what they can actually bring in. So there's my idea for CB2, Ross Cockrell. Other Bills news. According to Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, Starla Tulele intends to play next season. And I know some people are probably saying, well, yeah, of course he intends to play next season. This isn't really news. I think it was fair to have some concern about whether or not Starla Tulele was going to come back and play. He had a heart condition that was flagged at the Combine. He opted out of last season due to COVID. His brother retired quite early from the NFL. His sister was selling Bill's gear on Facebook. And he's 31 years old and has earned over $40 million so far in his career. Like, it was a fair question, I think, to consider the possibility that he retired and didn't come back. So it's very encouraging to hear that Star Latoule intends to play next season. Obviously, the Bills need a one technique. They need a guy that can play that shade role and allow Ed Oliver to stay at three tech. He's going to help stop the run better on defense. He's going to do a better job of occupying blockers and allowing Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano to deal with less contact. He's going to normalize the defensive line rotation because you have your natural one tech. You're not having to play guys out of position. I do think it's important to keep some perspective here. Star Latoulay is not an elite player. He's a serviceable one tech. And that makes the team better because they did not have that last year. So it's not like he's the savior of the football team. It's not like the Bills added a premier player, but they added a starting caliber one tech, and that's something they didn't have last year. And so that's a reason to believe that the defense could be better. Also, this is good news because there were no salary cap benefits to be had if he retired. The NFL does not have a designation for retired. It's the same thing as being cut. And if Latulale were to retire, the Bills would accumulate $11.8 million in dead cap space and lose $4.2 million in cap. I mean, it would have been a bad, bad thing for the books for sure. So Star Latulale back, and I feel good about that. Some other news, Ty Inseki, former backup swing tackle over the last couple of seasons, platoon with Cody Ford in 2019 at right tackle. He has been signed to the Dallas Cowboys on a one-year deal. So with his departure, it definitely leaves a void at backup offensive tackle where he was the primary backup to both Williams and Dawkins last year. And my guess is that Ryan Bates will now be the backup swing tackle. And I listened to the Spot Rack podcast uh, a week or so ago with Sal Capaccio on with Mike Gennetti, who owns and runs Spot Rack. And during that interview, Sal Capaccio dropped some interesting nuggets, one of them being that he was thinking the Bills were going to re-sign Matt Milano, and that was before anybody thought that would happen. The other thing that he said that I thought was really interesting is that the Bills really like Ryan Bates. 
and he thought there was a chance that the Bills would let Daryl Williams walk and that Ryan Bates would be targeted as his replacement at right tackle. So if that's true, you have to believe that they're pretty comfortable with him being the backup swing tackle. So as you consider Ty Secchi being gone and you think about the Bills needing to replace him, there's a good chance that they already think Ryan Bates is that guy. So just something to be mindful of as we consider the Bills' offensive line depth no longer factoring in Ty Secchi to the equation. The Bills made a trade. I have no idea how this happened. They traded tight end Lee Smith to the Atlanta Falcons for a 2022 late-round pick, according to Adam Schefter. How on earth did Brandon Bean pull that off? I mean, (laughs) Lee Smith, who is contemplating retirement, who is literally only a blocking tight end, Brandon Bean found a way to get something back for him. Now, I'm guessing if Lee Smith chooses to retire, that it would void any compensation that the Bills get back. But if he goes and plays for the Falcons and the Bills get a draft pick back in exchange for that, that is some thievery. You look at Brandon Bean's trade history, and I mean, this guy was able to get draft capital for Russell Bodine, for Marshall Newhouse, for Wyatt Teller, who they were going to cut. Like, we can... Make jokes about it now because Wyatt Teller was exceptional last year, but he was probably going to be cut and he was able to get a couple of draft picks back for Wyatt Teller. And then he sent Eli Harold to the Eagles for Ryan Bates. So Brandon Bean and his ability to get something back for guys that are not really rosterable players is pretty damn amazing. All right, folks. That'll do it for us today here on the podcast. The news is coming in fast and furious. I'll be anxious to see what tomorrow brings us, perhaps a trade for tight end Zach Ertz. We'll find out soon enough. Uh, The Eagles have to get under the salary cap by 4 o'clock on Wednesday. So I expect a move to be made before then, and I think the Bills are absolutely in on Zach Ertz, so I'll I'll save all my thoughts for if that happens, but I might be a little bit more in favor of it than you might anticipate. So we'll break it all down if it happens on tomorrow's podcast as well as any other relevant news towards the Buffalo Bills. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.